Welcome to the new episode of the UNT MindSpark podcast. I'm your host, Madhin. This podcast is designed for you to understand how a makerspace can be an integral part when it comes to learning, collaborating, and creating. In this episode, we will discuss stories of maker and their experience in building a creative community and learning as a lifetime adventure. With us, we have our guests, Randy and Hector, along with this fantastic makerspace team from the University of Texas, El Paso. We are delighted to have you all as our guest for our Maker Life Stories. Welcome. Hello, everyone. My name is Hector Lugo. Uh, I'm an, I, I did my bachelor's and master's in electrical engineering. Uh, I did it right here at the, at the University of Texas at El Paso. Uh, so, um, I'm, my biggest passion is about 3D printing. Uh, that's where we all started first. And then from there, we just keep on expanding and adding new services. And it just exploded into uh, making a makerspace in the short term. So that's the brief introduction. <laughs> okay, so then I'm next. Uh, I'm Randy Anaya. Uh, I'm, I'm the weird guy of the group. So um, we, we're all over the place. So uh, I have a bachelor's in graphic design that I did at the uh, Universidad Autónoma de Ciudad Juárez. So we're on the border, so that was on the Mexican side in Juárez. And then I came to UTEP, I did a, a bachelor's of uh, media advertising and a master's of uh, interdisciplinary studies, uh, speaking of the use of art and technology in teaching and learning. And uh, again, I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm the weird artsy guy that's into music and photography and I'm the foodie, the DIYer, the, the, I have the guy with 10,000 useless facts, <laughs> or so they say. All right, hello, uh, I'm George Molina. I am actually currently getting my undergraduate in computer science. Um, I'm more the game development, AR, VR side of the house. Um, I've been here working with you guys at the Makerspace for almost three years, so. Yeah, that's, I'm all about game development. That's kind of my spiel. Hello, everyone. I am Madin. Um, I'm the lead maker and technology engagement specialist at the UNT Spark Makerspace. I have a background in music and information technology. Um, I'm currently in the final semester of a master's program in information science. Uh, to start off, we would like to know more about your experience at Makerspace. Um, that helps patrons understand what a makerspace is. Um, so let's start with Hector. Uh, the makerspace, uh, the way that I see, or uh, the whole core, it's about student center. So it's mostly about students providing a safe home and opportunity accessibility for everyone, uh, especially for students, uh, faculty and staff. But the core, I think uh, it's driven heavily on the students. So the way it's a safe space where Anywhere that they are interested in learning something, if they're, uh, they have a passion for learning, if they're very super cu curious, uh, if they want to test out something, if they want to learn something, if they want to collaborate, if they want to work on uh, something that it was just uh, during the morning they had a crazy idea or a crazy dream, then that, that is the right place on the makerspace where they can start building, they can start prototyping. And then once they go do the research, research they collaborate, they learn, they share their passion, they uh, uh, start encouraging other people to find their passion, and then uh, 
right over there in the makerspace, everyone starts to inspire or starts to share their stories of the things that they have accomplished. Um, there are some things that you can right away do in a couple of minutes. Sometimes it can take a couple of day, uh, days, sometimes it could take a month or even years. But the thing is that there's a continuous progress in personally, intrinsic, and then also at, within the community as well. So uh, I can go on giving a lot of talk, but uh, <laughs> but that in the very short term words, I think uh, the important thing is that uh, everyone has the opportunity to keep on learning and create, uh, getting to know people and be able to build things and share their stories. That is awesome. I can really relate to everything you say because I've experienced that myself. And I think uh, your background also supports a little bit to the makerspace, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> The way that I see it is that every day when I just go to the makerspace, there's a lot of things concurrently happening and like I get to see everyone just working on different things and there's so many things that I, personally I think there's not enough time to get to be heavily expert or in-depth. So it's more about getting to know what everyone is, their real interest and passion than try to get as much as you can, but it's impossible to gain, to acquire all the knowledge in just one life. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was going to tell you that the... I think one of the important parts that makes our makerspace uh, successful, but also us as a team, as is that all the things that we do, it's it's basically a labor of love. We love working here. We love working with our students. We love uh, acting as we're, we're not just bosses. We're mentors. We're friends. Uh, we we just we not only do stuff here at work. Sometimes we go hiking. We do things that go beyond what school is. And I, I think one of the the issues that you might find sometimes, at least part of the way that we try to approach things is that as you grow up, your family tries to push you, right? To go to school, get an education, become better. Mm -hmm. but, but what does that mean, right? That, that's part of the, of the journey in life too. What, what does it mean to be me? Who can I be in the future through my education? But sometimes education is only a narrow path of something that is way bigger. And a lot of things that happen in the makerspace is because people are curious and they might want to think, hey, what if I was able to do this? Or what if I do that? But sometimes you don't have the resources, sometimes you don't have the time, uh, the expertise. And what we try to bring into the table is to have some semblance of resources and people that mm -hmm. even if we might not have the fancy machine that you want to use, we might have something that could get you closer to that so you can learn something new. Um, a lot of the things that people do in the makerspace usually tend to revolve around uh, classes and projects. We've seen both things. Sometimes people have to do a project. Once they do a project, they're like, oh, so if I did this for this class, I can do this for me. Or the other way, right? Uh, usually, for instance, with 3D printing, a lot of people that never started doing this before, now it's a little more... Uh, across the board, but initially when we started with 3D printing, people didn't know what to do. So then we would just say, print a Pokemon. Print your favorite Pokemon. Just so you know what it is to look for a file in line, what it is to download, what it is to actually pass it through the software so you can get something printed. And then uh, a couple of days, hours, depending on the print, they had it and they're like, oh, wow, I made this. Well, I made this. It was, some, some of those things are already pre-made, but the fact that you were able to find something and then see a tangible object usually also sparks that creativity. And then 
you just start to go crazy and do different things. Absolutely. Uh, the creative part is the one that inspires me because um, I've seen a lot of uh, students who uh, over a period of time uh, been so creative uh, with different projects. They started off with simple project and later on they just branched out. And, um, and that's the interesting uh, part uh, when you have a community trying to grow and learn. And I think this is an uh, important aspect. Yeah, wonderfully said. Well, I'm going to ask a general question anyone could answer. How did you first learn about Makerspace? So speaking of our team, we have, a, we have another person here. So, she, so you, know, you know what? She can answer this question. Yeah. <laughs> so Ali, please come on in, join us. Hello. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, uh, I'm Alejandra, and I work at Gaia. Um, I don't know what else to say. You have to give oh, a little introduction. What, what you majored in? What's, okay. what's your specialty? Um, well, I'm a computer science major. I graduated last May, and now I work here full time. Um, I don't know. My specialty is learning. <laughs> I don't know. I like learning all the machines and, I don't know, explaining them. Learning is definitely the beyond aspect, as we all discussed uh, just a while ago. I think uh, uh, there's a lot to learn. Uh, just one lifetime is not enough. And um, I do feel that Makerspace does provide the opportunity for everyone. And I was just you know, wanting to ask a general question. Um, what was your experience or how did you learn about Makerspace? Well, <laughs> actually, uh, my experience was kind of weird because I I started working at this department before the Makerspace existed. They were barely creating it. Um, so I got to see how it was built from the ground up, I guess. Um, so we, uh, one day, uh, Hector actually here came up with a weird concept and we're like, okay, what is that? He explained it and we're like, okay, that sounds very cool. That sounds like something that we could definitely have here at the university. Mm -hmm. um, the whole idea behind a makerspace is uh, having people work there on their projects and collaborate with other majors. So for instance, maybe you don't know, mm -hmm. uh, you're working on a project that needs graphic design, but you, you're only doing a technical part, then uh, finding someone in the makerspace that could help you out. That's the whole like ideology behind it. Mm -hmm. So uh, we heard it and we're like, okay, that's, that's cool. Uh, at the time I wasn't even a manager yet, so I was just like, okay. Um, I was just a student seeing what was happening, seeing everything just happening around me. Um, and then we just saw a lot of machines start coming in and a lot of resources start just arriving. We're like, okay, what is that? What is that? It was like basically like being on a, on a toy store, basically like a kid. <laughs> so we started learning what everything was, how, how you build everything, how you get maintenance and everything. And honestly, the projects that started coming out of them, they were very fun because like learning one machine is something, but like when you incorporate all of them together, that's that's definitely something else like that's something that you're like okay wait what did i do like wow that's that's cool so i don't know that was my experience of learning about makerspace my next question is what made you interested in working at a makerspace i i, I can go why not so why <laughs> not so technically my experience is very different from these three uh, mainly because they were here when the makerspace was being created and I joined the university, what was it, like a year into you guys having yeah, the makerspace yeah, already about, up? About. 
Um, so my technically my first makerspace experience was a really really small one that they did in my high school that has it's nowhere close to what we have here. Um, and so when I heard from a teacher that they you know there was a job opening here at the university, I was like, oh yeah, it's probably just gonna be a little like ours wasn't like in the library. <laughs> I was like, oh okay, it'll be. And I came in and I saw like all the really cool equipment and everything. Um, and so the the only thing that came to mind was. Oh, this is gonna be fun! Like, there, there, there's the what's made me really interested in a makerspace is the multidisciplinary part of it. Um, you don't just have computer science majors in a corner programming, right? You don't. You have this mix that doesn't necessarily happen. Um, the closest thing I think is maybe like university clubs that might have different people, but this makerspace is a, is just a place where you're encouraged to come. So. In reality, you're getting like-minded people who just want to learn and create, and that alone is is really fun. And I just saw a really cool environment to grow as a maker and as a person. So that that's what made me interested in working in, in it, at least. Yeah, I think you also have to take into consideration <clears throat> two two aspects, kind of like a coin. On one hand, you have the student the student perspective. As in, maybe there wasn't a space like this, which would be interesting because you can gain new skills, meet new people, get to test out different machines that maybe are not available within your degree plan, within your department, or even within your imagination. But the flip side also is on the administrator side, like us as managers before these guys came in, uh, there was the idea of implementing something like this. Uh, in many ways, uh, the, the makerspaces have always existed in the sense that, for instance, previously in high schools, you had the vocational programs, you had the woodshop, you had home ec, things of that sort that eventually with, with technology started to change and then you suddenly had, instead of the woodshop, you had people doing fabrication and maybe some schools had access to a 3D printer. Uh, you had the graphic design slash web design slash computer science or cybersecurity hodgepodge of things because everything is encased in a computer, right? Um, and, and a lot of those programs, uh, they saw the value of that in high schools. And sometimes universities might lag a little behind that because it's a different approaches to something. And so part of it is that we also try to have a good relationship with the broader community. We work with a lot of programs outside of, of the university with uh, different uh, school districts uh, from K through 12. And so because of that information and feedback, we've also been able to have that idea of how to implement some of the things that students are already used to doing in their own schools. And then when they come to college, especially that first year, again, as administrators, we know a lot of, 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 of the potential issues that you might have with students that the first year of college is pivotal for them to find their identity as a student within a major, as a student within the campus life. And some of them are learning to live by themselves and different things that also inform the way in which they perceive their education. And so a way of using the makerspace is you get a little of that vocational information, we got a little bit of what the industry needs out of their future professionals, and then we try to find a way that we can implement this in here so it doesn't matter what degree you're in, you can still get skills that can inform you and help you be a more rounded person. Uh, and, and, and the border, a lot of us are bilingual, so the, the, there was a word that we would say it's a todologo, like the everythingologist. 
somebody the, the the jack of all trades, right? As you said, it could take a lifetime to learn skills, but then at the same time, you can learn a little bit of everything that could kind of get you through the door for the next learning adventure that you'd like to take. Absolutely, I like the word everythingologist. It reminds me of the word you know uh, musicologist. Or, um, you know, for a maker, it would be a makeologist. I agree how outreach uh, and maker space can enhance how we think and learn. Um, as you all pointed out, it shows how interdisciplinary skills can help us create a well-informed community. Um, it's great to hear your approach and practices. Yeah, if I may add to what Randy was saying, which is uh, the two sides of the coin, which is on the student's perspective and then also on the manager's side, uh, to enhance or to complement to those, uh, to the, uh, to the, I guess, topic or specific section is that uh, we are tied up as a department, so we're not tied into a specific college. So that's why we're, we're, we're super flexible and we open the doors. We're not only limit or we put roadblocks, which is we collaborate with all colleges. So basically we reach our hands or we open the doors. So that way anyone who's really interested or wants to collaborate, then we'll definitely help them out and so, uh, provide the support as much as we can. Logistics or experience or ideas, creating things. So. On the other side as well is that uh, we also help or we focus on the faculty as well in order to enhance or to be able to re-innovate uh, their curriculum. So if they are, uh, like for example, if I may say a little bit of experience, Alejandra right over here, <laughs> she was uh, a student. She was part of my first class that is was Intro to Engineering. And the way that we were starting to launch uh, the makerspace uh, with the three printers uh, at least uh, we, uh, we come up with more project-based learning, which is uh, in, in order to enhance their experience on the students and be able to add more value to the curriculum. Uh, we started making PBLs, which is uh, 3D, 3D designing, 3D printing. So that way uh, they get to have more experience, not only just on the theory uh, side, but also more practical. So that way it's more hands-on. And we have seen that it does bring more interest on the students. They get more involved uh, and they actually get to on the makerspace now, uh, they started with just a, a, as an assignment or as a project, but from there, once they complete that assignment and project, uh, we have seen a lot of uh, activity on the students that they start to branch out or they start to see all the other opportunities uh, that they can achieve at their own time and space. Like there's not, there's not a due date. Uh, it's more on their on-site uh, time management, so they decide how much they want to spend uh, with school, all the course projects and research, and then when they have some free time, how they want to use it. Is it only just going back to our house or do they want to use a specific equipment or they want to collaborate with other people? So we, uh, on the other side is um, we help on the faculty be able to redesign or be able to how, uh, help them out as in terms of the logistics and how to bring their specific class or a specific topic that they want to reach out and then be able to enhance it with more PBL project-based projects uh, assignments. So. That is nice. It's interesting to see how these projects can engage patrons and help the community grow through time. Um, it also shows how uh, inclusiveness helps learn different skills and plays a major role which now takes us to the next question of challenges. 
what are the significant challenges you have to overcome at your makerspace? Uh, let's start with Alec first. <laughs> with me. This is going to be part podcast, part therapy session. Yeah, therapy session. <laughs> Hi, if I start I'm crying, Randy. I'm sorry. Just kidding. Um, no, uh, I feel like there's a lot of challenges, but the main one is usually that like, we're trying to create this new mindset for students. So, like, a makerspace is a very new place, and it's like, at least in this environment, like at this university, it's a very new concept, at least the way that we manage it. So, like, people are already set to think a certain way, right? So they, they're not used to, and as Randy was mentioning before, like before it used to be like, oh, you choose this, this career path or you choose that one and that's the one that you focus on and you just don't, don't do anything else other than maybe like your hobbies. But with this like makerspace mindset, you are learning everything basically uh, and trying to incorporate it into your life in a more extend, extended version or extended way, I guess, because usually you will just use like, oh yeah, like I know how like the basic of a circuit works in theory, but I have never applied it. So in here you're trying to incorporate that some in some type of way into your life to see like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then from there I can innovate and make something more, more uh, complex or more fun, I guess. Uh, so it, it is definitely a mindset that you need to come in with an open mind and be open to learning a little bit of everything and not get discouraged if you don't get it at first because they are there are machines that like will definitely fail you at the moment if you don't know how to use them or how to fix them so a lot of people are like oh it failed okay i'm not gonna print it anymore or oh it failed i'm gonna i'm not even gonna try it anymore so definitely like changing that mindset is i think one of our biggest challenges and also like just the culture of allowing people like telling people like oh we're open like just come and sit down hang out like talk to people because they're like they see the space and because we have a door i mean we, we need to have a door because we need to lock it when we close right but it's always open and just because of the fact that the door exists on the wall they're like oh can i go in can i not go in they see people inside they're like is there a class is there not a class like i'm sorry what is these um so they're very shy going in and once they come in they just keep coming in and asking questions and stuff like that. But the first, that first step is definitely, I think, our biggest challenge right now. I really like the way you explained it. Uh, it reminds me of the challenges I faced and the failures that I have come across have certainly helped me learn. Also, as you mentioned, uh, the application part um, has created that opportunity to apply things in real life. It could be simple, complex, and it doesn't matter. Uh, but I think it does help students develop creative problem-solving skills. Does anyone else want to add to this? A challenge, that I think, and I'm going to put a little... I don't think it's necessarily a bad challenge, but it is a challenge that we face, I think, on a regular basis, is because, and this is a really good thing, because we've created this environment of people to come and try things and idea of like if you want to do something you can give it a shot like we can do it is that we do get a lot of students who are like they come in they want to do something that's out of this world something that maybe we don't have and again that's not necessarily a bad challenge that's okay how do we make it so that way this student can and how can we make it so other students who have very similar interests can and so although it's not necessarily a bad challenge it is something that we have to in general have to uh, face 
yeah, on a regular we, basis. Very, we we run out of space very quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because we we yeah. either house our tools and our toys, or we give space to students to sit down. Uh, and uh, I mean, because you can make a, a, a makerspace campus almost, right? Depending on on uh, what it is that that you could have as far as resources. So uh, on, on one hand, we, we do try to have as much as uh, equipment as we can. Uh, we work with different departments, so we can try to work in conjunction and see uh, if we can find uh, programs that can uh, benefit from what we have. Uh, other departments might have grants or equipment that we can work with, so we can also uh, use in the makerspace. Uh, and also, uh, I mean, like Ale was saying, uh, Sometimes the, the mix of, 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 of um, apathy or the fear of, some, of trying something new, both on students and even with faculty. With students, the, the problem usually, and, and you've heard that all over your, your, your schooling is, you have people in engineering saying, why do I have to take a history class if I'm an engineer? You have, I'm from the liberal arts, right? So I would say, why do I have to take a calculus class if, if I want to draw? And, and you have these things that are opposite that you have to try to make work somehow. And so for a lot of people, maybe they feel that they don't want to know about tools, they don't want to know about technology, or vice versa. With, with faculty, they already have their classes set, and so they don't want to touch their, their, uh, their schedule because they want to try something new. Because we also understand as faculty, they, they have a plan, they have to say phase up to a point, and so any other variable that you add to a semester, knowing that you might have days that the technology doesn't work or, or off days or anything that could affect the progress of your class will also sometimes make you not as open and, and trying new things, especially if you're not within a class that has to do with technology or, or uh, tools or, or a creative process per se. Very true. Very true. As you mentioned, apathy and fear plays a significant role when learning something new. Uh, when growing up in India, I did not have the opportunity or access to makerspace around my neighborhood or library. Uh, working at a makerspace, I feel every library and university should have a makerspace because we learn a lot, uh, which can help us to overcome the fear of not knowing something or experimenting something new. When we think about it as a department, uh, we, we need the funding, we need the equipment, we need the students. Um, currently, uh, it's, it's six managers uh, that, and we have 30 students, I believe? We have 20, 30 students. So, yeah, so, so we have a, a large uh, group of students that help us both managing, because Makerspace, like Hector said, is not our only responsibility. We do campus-wide IV support. Uh, we manage the, the, the building where we are at right now. It's, that's our building, so we manage that. Uh, and we do the outreach and we do events sometimes because this is a building where we have the large auditorium, or auditoriums. So in, in, some, in some senses, we're like the UTEP embassy because the big events with the important people come in here and then we're the ones that host. Uh, we do a lot of things, and so, like you're saying, sometimes the, the, the time just passes by. Uh, obviously, with, with any endeavor, you always need uh, resources to keep this thing uh, growing. Uh, the, the other side, too, is uh, 
we're university. We understand that, that we, we are here, our mission is to forge better professionals and humans. Uh, but if, even if we wanted to go as fast as we wanted to, we can't move at the speed of industry. And so even though we are trying to get the newer tools, the newer technologies, sometimes even the departments themselves can't keep up with what the industry need. And so by the time that maybe we have machine A, after we do the whole process within the university procedure, they might be already in machine C. And so those are the things in which sometimes we, we might lag a little bit, but at the same time, it's part of why we want to teach students the foundations of something so then they can work upon that uh, later. Uh, but yeah, there, I mean, there's, yeah. if, if we want to take challenges, I mean, there's a list. Yeah, for example, what the, uh, <laughs> you just made me remember this one, which is, uh, so on the makerspace, you had the uh, you had the opportunity to go with the concepts to start from uh, like a fresh. Where if you do something, uh, it's not going to break or it's not going to be that bad. Like it's something that it's not going to cost a, co a couple of thousands or millions of dollars. So you can definitely just give it a test, try it, and see if it works. You gain all the knowledge, all the experience, and then. Uh, one of the things is that, for example, it has been almost a year to actually bring now the service of 3D metal uh, printing. So we had to go through all the uh, env environmental health and safety, all the facilities, all the construction, all the requirements, be able to satisfy all those uh, requirements and specifications it needs in order to make sure that the whole facility or the lab is safe and then be able to bring that equipment and be able to install it, do the training and be able to do all the service. It usually takes a, uh, it takes a whole pro, uh, whole time, which we wish we could make it faster, but it's always for everyone's in, uh, best interest to, it has, everything has to be correct and safe. But the time that we actually bring that new service, it could have been already too late or there has been a new uh, technology happens too fast that they just found a new process or the equipment actually now, uh, there's a new company that releases that, comp uh, that process or that uh, service uh, at 50% or less expensive. So those are some of the challenges that we do have encounter lately. But at the end, is the makerspace is a place where I do see that you had the opportunity to learn the basics, do all the uh, all the fundamentals. Then from there, uh, as a, as your personal interest, if you want to expand or grow, then you can go into more specialized areas if you want to, or you just want to have all the jack of all trades, uh, be able to branch out as much as you can, be able to see which equipment or which process could actually lead you to a faster path rather than going through all straight like that. And then you can just definitely accomplish this one way much faster by changing between equipments. Or we have seen that we have help out on the research side area as well, where uh, right here they can get trained as a freshman student or before even entering here to college, they already have they had the opportunity to learn all of the skills. So that way, once they come or when they're on the freshman, they already have this knowledge, experience, expertise. And then if they want to go uh, pursue their own research or work with a specific uh, college, uh, they already had that experience where all the super expensive equipment, uh, there's, we mitigate that issue of actually having some issues. They might have some issues or some, uh, it might broke out or something or, or very super extensive training because they already went through this, through the basics, through the fundamentals. Yeah, with, with 
people that want to start a makerspace, uh, the, I guess the first daunting part is, what are we going to do? What should we get? And then how do we make it work? Because that involves making sure that your space is set up based on whatever safety requirements you need for the equipment, for the building, for the administration that they, you, you need to have a safe space all the time for everybody. And then you have to think about the training and how to use those machines, how to service some of the parts, the, the parts that are serviceable. And then uh, train the rest of the staff that will help in, in, in training others to use the machines and do the maintenance and get the schedules to see how much materials, how much consumables get, get used in a certain amount of time. See when the trends happen so you can brace for things. So then we know that by midterms, we should already have enough uh, filament because that's when the students come in with the projects. And so uh, thinking of those things that you have to do a lot of testing uh, on, on your own space to see how the usage goes so you can brace for that as far as getting the equipment, purchasing the consumables. And then the, you see that it works because everything that we've done uh, basically uh, explodes into something bigger and more people want to keep using it. And so we try to bring in more equipment and uh, the, the more equipment you bring, the more complex the system is. And so you have to start all over again with the training, with the safety, and, and that's a constant thing. That, uh, so now you're managing four machines, now you have a new one and you do all these things and you can only do so much. But at the same time, that's where uh, there's several of us, we have our students and then we're very adamant and training the people uh, so they can be, uh, we train the trainers that'll help students and faculty to use the equipment in a safe way so everybody can benefit from it. But th those are, are, I think, one of the challenges that you will find when you create a makerspace, that uh, there's so many things out there and, and the, the requirements, the purchasing parts, the bureaucratic parts of doing that as university through the funding and all these things, by the time that you get it, like I was saying, we, we, we can't keep up with, uh, with technology and industries. And so it's not that you get obsolete equipment, but sometimes when you want to innovate, you want to get the newest thing because it's the only one that's out there. And then by the time that you have it, maybe there's already three or four products and you're like, oh man, uh, if I would have only waited. Like every time, right? You buy a new computer and then two months later, there's the newest one that's even better. You're like, oh. And that, you have that same problem and, and something like a makerspace. There's always this evolution part that overtakes us uh, with any technology for that matter. Um, also, the 3D metal printing that you mentioned seems exciting. Um, I can see how safety would be a concern and challenge when implementing 3D metal printing. Uh, it would be interesting to learn more about that in another episode. It would certainly help us understand and see if it is something that we could have in our makerspace. Uh, we, we tend to joke right here very often, so you can see all the stress, how it actually has affected me. So, <laughs> But the good thing is actually it went through just one person, not all of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Thankfully, yes. Yeah. And, and also, once, once it's set up and up and running, we'll let you know and we'll have you over. We'll, we'll, we'll print some stuff and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do something over here. That would be amazing. Uh, moving on to the next question. Um, is there a time when things did not go according to plan? What did you learn and how did you fix it? 
That's why everybody goes like that. Like that it's not like talking about the sad times. Actually, I feel like we should start with Hector over there, the one that actually got stressed about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah what caused like the hair loss? the best person to explain here. <laughs> Oh my god. I feel like the metal I, printing, I, metal printing is metal a perfect printing is example yeah. for metal yeah. printing. Uh, the thing is that oh, mm-hmm. the, there are so many times where uh, there's so many that uh, I guess okay. if I were to say it on the metal printer is that we we shoot to the stars or wait to the galaxy which we thought that was never going to happen and we hit the jackpot and it actually we had the, all the opportunity with collaboration and with other departments that we strongly collaborate and thankfully i think all of us especially myself uh, we are super grateful that it did happen and we were like that's never gonna happen and then it did happen and then we're like oh how can we make it now possible how how is this are we gonna where, where are we gonna house it um now we're gonna have to be making sure that everyone do it correctly that everything's safe because um, the way that the system works it, it deals with gases so there's a huge potential that something could happen, uh, and that's what has given me some nightmares or have, <laughs> haven't slept me well for a couple of days. But the thing is that there's always going to be some challenges or some things that uh, it didn't go as you thought it would be or you have it in your mind. But then with the collaboration of other people, it could go right away like that and then be able to make sure that everyone stays on the right path, at least on the right direction, <laughs> um, even though there's a lot of things behind the scene, right? <laughs> right. But no, the thing and is it's that- very funny too, because <coughs> when you have an idea, it takes forever for them to approve it. It takes forever for them to just tell you like, oh yeah, it's okay, you can do it, and you can start figuring it out. But once they say yes, they're like, okay, when are you gonna have it? When when is it gonna yeah. be open? Yeah. So then that adds more stress, and I think that's part of what Hector was trying to get at. That like, like yes, they do it. They wouldn't approve it for the longest time, and they're like, okay, yeah. So when is when is this like being done? When is this done? Yeah. When are the parts arriving? <laughs> You're like, uh, okay, hold on. I still need to plan everything. Like I didn't think you were gonna say yes. Yeah, th- things happen at the speed of a desk, and then suddenly it's NASCAR. Yeah. 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 I think one of the things, uh, it's also, uh, again, it, it starts with the people that manage the spaces. Uh, we, we've known each other for years, we've worked together, uh, and, and we, we, we see each other as, as family. And so we know that and a lot of this, when things go bad, it's kind of like a family. We, we are resilient. So sometimes we're working and we see Hector, no, shh, don't talk. <laughs> Let him be there for a little bit. Uh, and then we can do stuff, uh, but but then and that since we're resilient, we, we we work well with each other. We've learned how to how to manage things when they don't go well. The other part, it's like a makerspace. When things don't go well, we can call it science, right? Mm-hmm. We're experimenting, so you have to do it again. Uh, if you're into gaming, then you respawn and you do it. Um, fortunately, the, the the things that we've had that we haven't had any anything bad per se. Things of, oh, a printer died, uh, a pipe broke, and the printer is rusted, and it doesn't work anymore. I mean, th- those are things that, uh, to many points, doesn't matter. It's, 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 it's uh, pieces of plastic and, and metal, right? Uh, but what we always try to do is have a, a safe environment, a, a place where people can come in and learn, and that uh, move that fear factor aside 
so you can focus on the challenge of, of, of getting things to work. Uh, I think it's more the, the problems on the management side of making things work that sometimes the schedules, as far as the purchasing, the getting materials, I mean, EHNS, uh, environmental health and safety, where they're... <laughs> Everything's uh, good with the HS. Yeah, so, so, so now it's good, but it, it's, it's a process, right? Um, and, and those are the things that become stressful, that become hard sometimes. Uh, and, and, and so that's where, where it's more of, okay, let's just weather the storm and we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, and I, I think one, one of the things that actually came to mind wasn't a bad thing that we didn't plan for. Because like I said earlier, the, the, the mixed spaces adapt a lot, and Alejandro might have some stuff to say about this one. But we, in a way, our makerspace also became, in a way, a central hub for some student organizations here on campus yeah. that we did not plan for. Like, oh, we God. planned the makerspace, we made a really yeah. cool environment for people to come in, and then when these groups of people who want to come together on a weekly basis have their meetings and use the makerspace, I don't think we necessarily planned yeah. for that, did not. that view. So, like, that was something, like, I think that's... Something cool that we didn't plan for, but yeah. it was definitely a, oh, God, we have to coordinate. But see, the thing is, in our sense, it is our fault because we did, we do have, like, internal organizations. Like, our own staff started building their own, like, student organizations. So we have, like, three or four organizations currently that, like, are housed in Gaia, like, permanently. Like, they were built by staff that was working here. And they started making their events in Gaia because, I mean, the people work here. They, are, they live here, literally. Uh, we have their, for instance, like we have an esports one, an esports organization. So we in Gaia house all the gaming consoles, all the games. Um, so we were like, okay, you know what? You're housed in Gaia, but we'll use them to rent them out to students. Because I mean, if when you're not using them for your events, uh, they're just gonna be sitting there, like nobody's gonna be using them. So we might as well just tell people like, hey, if you come by Gaia, you bring your ID, like we'll rent you out a switch, and you can just hang out and have a good time. That will bring more people for us, more people for you, and like it's a win-win, right? So that started bringing, for instance, attention from other organizations around campus that wanted to make smash tournaments or, I don't know, random other gaming things. And we're like, oh, okay, I guess I can also come. I mean, we're open to everyone, right? And then you go into like gaming, for instance, and we do have the like capabilities of building games, but then other people saw the power of our PCs and they were like, oh, okay, I, I, I would like to go and try it for research or for simulations or stuff like that. And that's when a lot of people just start coming in and you're like, okay, it was our fault. <laughs> no, completely. It was our fault. <laughs> the the yeah. law of unintended consequences, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> we always had to be here very careful because just by one idea or just a thought, it can go and explode into something way much bigger where we're now, why, why did we say yes? Or why yeah. do we even think about it? And then how are we going to support it? And then it just starts creating a new service or a new product or something to... Uh, on the on the logistics side is now uh, all the services that we have created it's it, it has the potential to support 20 27,000 students at least so that's only just within the uh, the UTEP uh, population now if you're thinking about the community then it, it opens way much more so how can we make it all of this accessible and feasible for our sanity as well <laughs> so yeah when, when knowing that that our, our space is actually quite small for all the stuff that we have and so if everybody just wanted to do something at the same time, uh, they wouldn't fit through the door. And, and so those are the things that we have to contend with because, again, the, like, like you were saying, the, the challenges of, of, of making a space like that be functional for everybody. 
and all of the varied needs that everybody has at different times. Yeah, no, and it's actually very funny because um, since we're open to the community and we've been doing events for the community and we have done outreach like in El Paso, general like events like, for instance, Family Expo last year, stuff like that, uh, people that are not students learn about us and then they try to find us, but because we're inside campus within a building, we have had people complain like they come in and they're like, oh my God, I couldn't find this place. Like it was so hard because I'm not a student. You're not on Google Maps. And we're like, well, it's because we were part of a, like we're part of a school. We're not really, I mean, yes, we're open to the public, but we, we never thought, oh yeah, community people, like external people are going to want to come in and see what we're doing. Yeah. Um, like we, we opened it for everyone because we didn't want to close that door, but we never thought it was actually going to come through. So we never thought, hey, like, oh, let's put ourselves on Google Maps or let's put ourselves on Google in general to like, so they know how to get here. So it, I don't know. I, I find it very funny because they do complain a lot about like, oh my God, I didn't know where, where we were housed, like you were housed. I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, something said in this department a lot is a lot about opening Pandora's boxes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of them in this department, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all your stories. Don't forget to join us again for part two of this episode. I want to thank you for tuning in to the UNT MindSpark podcast. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.